Hello and welcome to the Movie Mouth Film and TV Podcast. On this episode, we have a diverse mix of reviews, including Oscar-troubling Sound of Metal, mind-troubling Chaos Walking, and an unhealthy dose of psychiatrist troubling in our video store corner section, where we rent a retro movie, and this week we ask ourselves that life-searching question, what about Bob? On top of it all, every week we discuss the latest film news, trailer breakdowns, and answer some of our listener questions. More of that later in this very episode. This is Miles, and as ever, I'm joined by a man who famously once said, Voila! In view, a humble vaudevillian veteran, cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. This visage, no mere veneer of vanity, is a vestige of the Vox Populi, now vacant, vanished. However, this valorous visitation of a bygone vexation stands vivified and has vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin, vanguarding vice and vouchsafe from the violently vicious and voracious violation of volition. <gasps> the only verdict is vengeance, a vendetta held as a votive, not in vain, but for the value and veracity of such shall one day vindicate the vigilant and the virtuitous. Verily, this vicious soirs of verbage veers most verbose, so let me simply add that it's my very good honour to meet you, and you may call him Phil. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Hello. And breathe. Blimey. P for now, pendetta. Listeners, I will just say, Miles has done that in one take. <laughs> I didn't know he was going to do that. And he did it in one take, which is amazing. Well done. Can you, can you just keep talking while I'm, while I'm trying to recover you here? Get your breath back. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to have a little sit down. Wow. What was that from? V for Vendetta. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. That was great. Well done. I can't believe I haven't done that one sooner. I can't yeah. believe I haven't done that one sooner. Yeah. But, yeah, it was quite weird when you did that. We were in that misty back alley of London. Do you remember? Oh, yeah, I do. And I was just sitting there by that fountain and you came out of nowhere in your weird Guy, For Guy Fawkes mask <laughs> and your, your, your brown wig with a fringe, with a really high fringe, <laughs> by the way. Fringe. Really, really bad fringe. Yeah. And you just like had these like swords and you were just like carving up posters like with, your, with the letter P for Phil. <laughs> P for Phil. That's the name <laughs> That's of I your... Do, the weekend. That's going to be the name of the documentary of your life. <laughs> P for Phil. And I'm going to make it. <laughs> I hope so. How are you, Phil? Uh, I'm great. I mm. uh, To quote um, a film which will be fe featuring later on, I feel good. I feel <laughs> great. I feel wonderful. Are you taking those baby steps? Baby steps. Yeah. Baby <laughs> steps. Baby steps to the pub. Baby steps <laughs> to the pub garden. And I heard that the <laughs> pub gardens are open in England now. Pub gardens are open. I'm yet to take... Uh, advantage of this but that will soon be rectified um what are you doing what are you playing at i don't know i've seen like at... instagram that most of the uk appears to be in a pub garden as we speak <laughs> yeah and it's friday I mean, so yeah well, i was sitting here doing this for you and i <laughs> you poor bastard <laughs> oh sorry i was just swinging a beer here in the pub garden um uh, oh that's i am good. having a beer though so that's all right oh well done i'm drinking uh, an electrolyte solution <laughs> Take from that what you will. I mean, is that safe? It could be. It doesn't sound safe. It, it could be because I'm extremely hungover. It could be because I have explosive diarrhea or both. And it, it is earlier in the day where you are than where I am. It is very early in the day. It is yeah. early in the day. That's correct. Um, yeah. Well, that's good, Phil. I'm glad that you're well. Um, we'll move on. Let's not talk about me. No, I don't want to ask me. <laughs> what have you been watching this week? <laughs> um, what have I been? So, uh, after last week, 
in you spoke about Formula One Drive to Survive, the, stupidly named Formula One Drive yeah, to Survive. Drive to they don't need to drive in order to survive. No, they don't. Um, but I am on series two of the three so far of that, and really, really, really enjoying it. Um, <laughs> it's great. As I said, I meant to watch it before, but after you spoke, I completely sort of forgot about it. Saw it advertised it was in the season three had come out. Mm. Um, I thought, oh yeah, I'll get around to watching that. But then you sort of spurred me on when you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. You gave it a mention last week, and mm. uh, yeah, so I've. I'm watching that, loving it, getting a nice... Okay, Phil, different... I'm going to have to ask you to box, box, box on that comment, okay? <laughs> okay. Can you yes. copy? <laughs> copy. And that's some Formula One inside talk right there between <laughs> Phil and myself. Uh, yeah. Uh, what else have I been watching? I've been watching... Um... Oh, I'm on the I'm on the last episode of Your Honor, which we've also talked about in the last mm. couple of episodes. The Brian, new Brian Cranston show. How do you think it's going to end? Oh... Well, I don't know. I've sort of got an idea, but I thought this was going to be like a one season thing. And it seems like, like it felt like when it was advertised, it sort of felt like it was like a, uh, you know, open and shut thing. But mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. assuming it's not going to be. So that's an interesting, that's an, that's an interesting takeaway. We'll have to find yeah. out on the next episode if you were right or not. But I think, you were completely right in what you said about it. And that was that there really isn't a single likable character in the entire show. <laughs> you mean I was <laughs> actually right about something when we discussed it on our movie and TV podcast, the seventh most popular movie and TV podcast in Spain. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, I don't fuck around, Phil, when it comes no, to this obviously stuff. not. <laughs> <laughs> you know your beans. I know my um, unlikable characters. It takes one to know one. <laughs> so yeah, that's um, apart from the stuff that we've watched for the podcast, mm, I haven't managed mm-hmm. to watch anything else. There's been a lot of good stuff coming out though, hasn't there? I, mm. I um, finished uh, Formula One Drive to Survive, which I absolutely loved. Every season's brilliant. It comes right up to the COVID era, um, which is really interesting. Although, yep. you know, we're kind of a bit done with hearing about it all. Um, but it's still good to see how they adapted this huge juggernaut of a traveling quote-unquote circus. Yeah. Um, I, I've also been continuing uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the MCU show that's on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, we're not going to review it. I'm going to give a mini review on right now. It, it starts really well. It starts really well. Um, the characters are given a little bit more backstory. You know, uh, the, the Falcon in particular um, is given kind of an extended family and this kind of thing. Um, Winter mm-hmm. Soldier, you know, uh, starts to kind of deal with his past and traumas and that kind of thing. And that, that's also quite cool. But weirdly, they they set up the second episode as kind of buddy cop um, kind of show where they're kind of back and forth and it's re- really lethal weapon or 48 hours. It's right. They're, they're, their chemistry is brilliant. But then they, they kind of throw a bit of a curveball by introducing, um, you know, a character. Uh, and this isn't a spoiler. I mean, it's in, you know, all of the IMDb. It's, it's everywhere. But... Uh, Baron Zemo that was in uh, Captain America Civil War returns. And um, he becomes this kind, he becomes kind of the third part of the, of the group and uh, weirdly becomes a kind of anti-hero. Um, and it's almost kind of played for laughs and the, right. the, the, the performance isn't, isn't great. He's getting a lot of love on social media and in particular in memes. Um, but I just, uh, 
I just, I just, I don't know. It kind of lost me a little bit because I was really enjoying the chemistry between the two of them. And I think these are two characters that needed more exposure, not to be diluted by another character that has more charisma or, you know. Um, So it's kind of a shame to see that. And it is, it's definitely not as captivating as the other MCU output that we saw with, um, uh, with WandaVision, which was really unique and fucked up and weird. (laughs) And interesting, you know, and really yeah. did did more for those for those characters involved. So, um, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. There's only six episodes. So I think we've only got a couple left to watch, and we'll maybe have a bit more of a kind of detailed discussion on that. But um, but yeah, that that was really my kind of main focus for this week was getting through that. And then, as you say, we've had a lot to review. So, mm-hmm. without further ado, let's jump into the news and Phil. Get your uh, fedora and your your whip ready, because I understand you have some Indiana Jones news for us. I do. Uh, this was the news, um, I think it was announced yesterday, potentially, I think it was really recently, um, that uh, Mads Mikkelsen, uh, everyone's favorite cannibal, <laughs> is... Um, cannibal himself. ...has been cast in a mystery role in the upcoming Indiana Jones 5 so he's going to be Le Chief from uh, Casino Royale turning up. Do you reckon he's going to, is he going to get a, um, he's going to make Indiana Jones sit on a chair without a seat on it and just smack his balls with a mace. Smack, it, smack his bottom. Yeah. Smack his balls, his balls, wasn't it? It was his balls well, he was yeah, smacking. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Poor old Daniel Craig. <laughs> Poor old Daniel so Craig. So they did, he did, he's done it to Bond, now he's going to do it to, to Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, yeah. Oh, he wouldn't like Dr. that, Dr. Jones. I so, see yeah. your balls are ready to be smacked. <laughs> Not the balls. Um, Get off my balls. Maybe it was like whipping with a snake. Would be the ultimate insult to Indiana Jones. Maybe. Yeah, his will balls be. With a snake. I hate snakes. And he hates getting his balls slapped. <laughs> uh, anyway. So Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> yeah, so Mads Mikkelsen. So, um, yeah, the, the fifth film was it was announced in 2016 back mm-hmm. in way back in 2016 but fifth it's had film. Of setbacks fifth film uh, there was no fourth indiana jones film oh you you're one of them oh you're one of them i'm being facetious <laughs> jonesy hey, jonesy we gotta go and find a crystal skull we gotta go and find that hey, jonesy we gotta go and find that crystal skull <laughs> give me a give him a cranberry juice that was my Ray Winston impression for both yeah, departed and an alleged Indiana Jones sequel that in my mind never happened. That's Ray Winston in everything, isn't it? <laughs> Even in the Volkswagen what, Volkswagen Caddy advert. A Volkswagen Caddy. Oh, Volkswagen, a Volkswagen Caddy. Caddy. What's the matter? Got your period? Driving a Volkswagen. <laughs> yeah. Buy a Volkswagen Caddy. Big fucking Volkswagen come rolling down the hill. I was just sitting there by the pool. <laughs> Jonesy. Missed me by an inch. <laughs> That was a sexy um, reference. I know you don't like that. I know you don't like that film. It's watchable for me. But it's, it had Shia LaBeouf swinging through the tree, trees with monkeys on vines. I know. I know. We talked about this before. Mm. There were some enjoyable moments, but it wasn't great. But anyway, so yeah, this one is um, announced in 2016. Lots of setbacks. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, it seems to be getting off the ground now. Um, it's meant to start production this summer. Mm-hmm. Um and the director is James Mangold, who's mm-hmm. taken over from Steven Spielberg. Uh, but I think Spielberg's still on uh, as a producer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's set for release in July twenty twenty two. Twenty 
2022. I think this sounds interesting. I do like James Mangold. I'm a I'm a fan of his. I think he has yeah. a very um, direct style. I think that his movies are very direct. Like there's right. no messing about. He's a very clean, concise director. You know the the Wolverine, Wolverine, and uh, <laughs> Logan. Yeah, was great. Um, and uh, most recently, Ford versus Ferrari. What yeah. is interesting about this as well? John Williams is coming back to score it. Um, which is good because he's you know he's super old now and it's great to see him he's getting on isn't he he's getting on yeah yeah great to see him coming back for this and also Phoebe Waller-Bridge yeah Fleabag is going to be in it yeah I just love that she's yeah and she's fucking fantastic dude she's Mm. great like smart a great writer genius and also a really good actor, but I don't know if she's going to like look at the camera and like when like Indiana Jones drops one of his one liners, like, Oh, I hate snakes. She's just going to look at the camera and go classic. <laughs> well, that'd be weird, wouldn't it? Yeah. That would be odd. But Mads Mikkelsen though, big fan of Mads Mikkelsen. Me brilliant. too. And we'll yeah, talk about him like later in the show. Okay. <laughs> um, what else you got for us? Oh, yes. So the other story is that um, Pete Davidson um, Mm. is to star as Joey Ramone in an upcoming biopic. Wow. Yeah. So that's this is interesting. So, yeah. So he's set to play the punk rock legend in a new Netflix biopic uh, called I Slept with Joey Ramone. It's going to be on Netflix. Uh, That's cool. So does that mean that all the kids that wear... Um, Ramones t-shirts that they bought from H&M are now finally going to know actually who the Ramones are. Validated. They'll be like, oh, wait, this is the band that I've been wearing on my t-shirt? <laughs> I just got this from H&M. Yeah. That's all they got. Yeah. Um, I want to be sedated. <laughs> yeah. So I don't just know. cast me. A lot I mean, just cast me. <laughs> you could have done it. Um, so yeah, he's fresh off. You know, he did... Uh, I know you. I didn't actually see it, but I know you did. You re- we reviewed it. But um, uh, Pete Davidson did the King of Staten Island. I, did a really good job that in that, was, didn't he? I, that was a Judd Apatow movie that came out last year. Yeah, and I absolutely loved it. I thought yeah. I, I've never been a fan of his. I've not really adapted to his SNL skits. I've not really got on with a lot of his kind of comedy and his his kind of general persona. Yeah. Um, but I've come around to him and that performance was really, really good, really touching. And um, he's got a kind of knowing smile. He's got that kind of Seinfeld thing where he's where he's always kind of smiling when he delivers lines. You know, Chris Tucker does the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? Like you kind yeah. of know um, that he's going to be, you know, kind of making a joke soon. You know, he's yeah. kind of lining it yeah. up. <laughs> you but can see it coming. Looking forward to seeing him in this. And he's in the Suicide Squad as well that we talked about last, last episode. Yeah, he plays. So he's making a bit of a name for himself. Yeah, in the Suicide Squad. Yeah. So yeah, it could be could be an interesting one. I mean, I liked the um, Motley Crue uh, biopic that Netflix did as well. Uh, You did, didn't you? That was good fun. I did. (laughs) It was it was fun. It was fun. Uh, Mostly because I like Motley Crue's music, but yeah, yeah, there was people so much. (laughs) It was pretty crazy though. I mean, like their life. It was based on the Dirt, wasn't it? The bio. Yeah, the the biography, autobiography. Yeah, much like this is based on. Uh, I think it's. I think the book might be from. Now I might get this wrong, but I think the book's written by Joe Ramone's like brother-in-law or something. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
or brother. I can't remember. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. So it looks interesting. Anyway, it could be. It could be. I'll definitely be up for watching that one. It does sound good. Yeah, it's awesome. Long and overdue, I think, new. as well. Yeah, great. Yeah. I, I'm I'm coming in off the back of some extreme sci-fi news which is crazy because of course i actually watched a sci-fi movie as well this week for the episode um that you we're going to review later you did so i'm kind of in this sci-fi mode at the moment um <laughs> the first one is uh fairly high level but mike flanagan who uh directed wrote uh the haunting of hill house and blind manor mm-hmm. um and um also the the sequel to the shining dr sleep which i really liked if you recall yeah um, he's, he's, he's actually just stepped on board a, a new, uh, Warner and, um, sorry, a universal project, which is called the, the season of passage. Um, and this is based on a, on a book, uh, by Christopher Pike. So he's adapting the, the novel, um, and he, he's adapting it alongside his brother, James. That's also worked with him on a lot of script duties for, for a lot of his projects. This, mm. this talks about, um, a, a doctor female doctor who became a global celebrity for her involvement in a crude expedition to Mars and the whole world kind of admires and respects her, but she starts to, she starts to get these kind of fears eat away from her and his voices that demanding that she love them. And then talks about kind of the crew that preceded her mission who died or did they, it's like this whole psychological, you know, kind of horror, um, you know, probably in line with a lot of things that we've seen, you know, through the years, but anything that Mike Flanagan's attached to, I mean, I I don't really get scared by a lot of, by a lot of movies, like Mm. typical horror movies, but Mike Flanagan has this sense of dread and uh, unnervingness in a lot of his projects. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, The other one is really interesting. I think you'll, you'll be interested about this is that Adam Sandler um, Mm -hmm. is going to star opposite Carrie Mulligan in a movie called Spaceman. And this comes from director Joanne Renk, who directed the Chernobyl series, um, oh, which yeah. was which was on HBO, which was brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is an again based on a novel, um, and the story follows an astronaut here played by Adam Sandler, sent to the edge of the galaxy to collect mysterious ancient dust, <laughs> and he soon finds his his earthly life falling to pieces. And he turns to the only voice who can help him try to put that back together. It just so happens to belong to a creature from the beginning of time lurking in the shadows of the ship. <laughs> okay. So the only voice who can help him. Um, Kerry Mulligan's going to be uh, Adam Sandler's wife um, back at home on Earth. So it's, it's gonna, I imagine this is going to be more of a kind of solo movie for Adam Sandler. Right. Which I think is good because we saw him front and center in the Safdie Brothers Uncut Gems, which was brilliant. fucking brilliant. Yeah, um, and you know he also mines similar depth in a lot of kind of dramatic roles um, that he doesn't really stretch stretch out into. Um, one of those being Paul Thomas Anderson's Punch Drunk Love, which I quote unquote loved, um, mm. and I just think that he Adam Sandler isn't in enough of these dramatic roles. Interestingly, no. and this is more a personal thing between you and I. He was in a movie with Don Cheadle years ago, another serious movie that could have been another kind of Oscar contender, but it didn't really get picked up, called Rain Over Me, about right. 9-11 survivors and PTSD. And he's addicted to the video game Shadow of the Colossus in that movie. <gasps> oh, really? And it's all he talks about in the movie. Yeah. Wow. It's really, it's really weird. It's really weird. 
that's awesome. The reason I tell that story is because that's actually how Phil and I originally bonded. We we met. We're talking about this specific game, nerding out over it. Uh, we literally, the first conversation we ever had. So uh, that's right. Yeah. So always good to see Adam Sandler stepping into more um, dramatic roles. So looking forward to um, to the season of, of Passage from from Mike Flanagan and Spaceman. Sci-fi that sounds up awesome. the wazoo. Just a link there, actually, because you mentioned Chernobyl. Uh, mm. It was very sad to hear the death of. Um, Paul Ritter last yeah. week, um, who was obviously uh, very highly regarded in Ch- for his performance in Chernobyl, as well as, you know, a lot on the English comedy scene with, you know, Friday Night Dinner and lots of other bits and pieces. But yeah, it was um, really, really sad to see that he'd passed away from a um, a brain tumour last week. Um, yeah, he'd done lots of stuff because he'd done uh, Quantum of Solace and he'd done some Harry Potter and... Lots of bits, but I thought he was really, really funny and a really versatile actor. So, yeah, it was a shame to hear mm. of that, especially at such a young age as well. Very, very He's sad. Only, I think he was only 54. So, yeah. yeah. Very Terrible. Sad. But, yeah. Really great but, Really great in um, Chernobyl, I have to say, as well. Really he was good, yeah. Kind of the bastard of it, wasn't he? He was. Uh, but He was. He played the kind of, you know, quote, unquote, the villain of the piece. Yeah. But I thought it came across really well, that Dyatlov, wasn't it? Dyatlov. Yeah, he that's right. Dyatlov, of, yeah somewhat responsible for the the meltdown but obviously there are a lot of other factors but his role in that yeah. was brilliant really, really good, good. Yeah. really strong and it was great great to see a lot of social outpouring for that as well he you know it seemed like his his roles friday night dinner in, in particular seemed to be very very popular with a lot of the the younger audience and i saw a lot yeah. of posts on instagram from a lot of a lot of younger people you know that were very mm. sad to see that so yeah nice one phil good shout out um so in happier news Moving on to trailers, um, you had a bit of a trailer meltdown this week, didn't you? Um, do, you want, do you want to get us started with The Dry? Yeah, I've got two very uh, contrasting trailers to go through. So yeah, The Dry. So this is starring Eric Banner. And I was Eric Barner? Other, Eric Barner. I was just thinking the other day, what the hell happened to Eric Banner? I don't know. I was thinking that the other day as well. Yeah, it's just, you just don't see him in anything. Yeah. I said that exact conversation about three days ago with a friend of mine who was next door. Yeah. Weird, isn't it? Because you thought uh, when Hulk came out, which was absolutely dire, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, you did think he was going to be sort of the next big thing, you know, his lead role. And uh, it probably didn't help him that he was in that absolute pile of tosh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Doo-doo. Doo-doo. Steaming Hulk, green doo-doo. But yeah, so he is in this, and this is out on uh, May the 21st. Mm-hmm. Um, so he plays a fer- federal agent uh, and he returns to his hometown in Australia um, after an absence of over 20 years to attend the funeral of his childhood friend Luke who allegedly killed his wife and child before taking his own life uh, which sounds riv- like you know sounds like a right old it's a fun time doesn't it um, <laughs> and uh yeah apparently he did this because he was like a victim of uh madness that had ravaged uh, the community after a decade of drought hence mm. i guess the title the dry so when he yeah basically he, he looks like he's going to investigate the crime but it ruffles a lot of feathers you know in the trailer you see a lot of hostility towards him mm-hmm. um and it sort of brings 
up a previous case which he was like part of when he was young uh the death of a 17 year old girl that he was with at the time um and you know they could be linked and blah 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 so yeah there's a lot going on in the trailer Mm. it looks pretty tense um Mm. looks like it's got some really nicely shot stuff um and as i said good to see eric banner back in a lead role i think because i think he's really good um so yeah that that's the dry it's an interesting role for a former stand-up comedian. <laughs> Is that what he did? He used to do this. Yeah, comedy. He, yeah. It wasn't until Chopper. If you ever see Chopper? Yeah, that he really made the name for himself. He got picked for that role pretty much at random, and since yeah. then he's been more of a dramatic actor. You haven't really seen him in a lot of comedies other than rom-coms and uh, Funny People, the Judd Apatow um, yeah. movie, where he wasn't particularly funny. Um, <laughs> but you know. Uh, great i think he's a great actor i think he's massively underused munich one of my favorite um steven spielberg films i think he was fantastic in that yeah and we haven't seen enough of him so nice one phil that sounds like a great movie yeah and then the other one on the complete other end of the spectrum is uh a follow-up to 2017's the hitman's bodyguard and mm-hmm. this is going to be the hitman's wife's bodyguard <laughs> Oh, good Lord. So I don't think either of us have seen the Hitman's Bodyguard, have we? Right, we're we talking have about the Ryan Reynolds, Sam Sam Jackson. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. directed by Patrick Hughes, uh, who also directed Expendables 3. Um, so oh, he's that could, kind of... What could go wrong? What could go wrong? But check the cast out for this, right? And this is like got that sort of Expendables 3 cast vibe, yeah? Okay, I'm strapping so you've in. you've got... You've got Ryan Reynolds, mm-hmm. of course, Samuel Jones returning. Samuel Selma L. Jones. Hayek. <laughs> Did I say Samuel L. Jones? Yeah. <laughs> Samuel L. Jones. You know, he lives up by Cardiff. He'll tell you, Samuel L. Jones, he'll tell you, see those two houses? Mine's the one in the middle. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, wow, Samuel L. Jones. Uh, yeah, Ryan Reynolds, Samuel L. Jackson, Selma Hayek, Frank Griot, our new favorite nice. action star. Nice. Antonio Banderas, Morgan Whoa. Freeman, Boots. and Richard E. Grant. In both. Bloody hell. Morgan That's Freeman a... and Richard E. Grant. What the hell's going on? This is insane. Yeah, it looks mental. Okay. So, yeah, this is, again, I've not seen the original, and now I'm going to go and watch it mm. um, after seeing this trailer. So, mm. as a little synopsis, it says, the world's most lethal odd couple, bodyguard Michael Bruce Miles and hitman... Darius Kincaid. Um, so that's, yeah, Ryan Reynolds and Samuel Jackson. Um, uh, are back on another life-threatening mission. But of course they are. Yeah, of course they are. Uh, Bryce is forced into action by Darius's even more volatile wife, Selma mm-hmm. Hayek. Mm-hmm. Um, I can believe that. <laughs> and Satanico she... pandemonium. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Dust till dawn. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. So it it just looks, to be honest, it just looks a bit mental. There's a lot going on in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Lots of explosions, lots of fights, lots of people shooting each other, uh, and so a really odd action sequence where, if you've seen those things that are in the water, they're like um, fish. You, you strap jets on your back, <laughs> not fish. <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> Yeah, you know, when you strap the jets on your yeah, back yeah, and you yeah. fly out of the water on yeah. like this big cable, right? Yeah. yeah. There's like 
an action scene where like loads of guys like pop out the water on those and shoot people. (laughs) 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 Sold on Uh, the water jet packs. Yeah. Popping out of the water, shooting people. Sold. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully Richard E. Grant is one of those. And hopefully Morgan Freeman's one of those. I want to see Morgan Freeman (laughs) popping out of the water in a jet pack and shooting people. (laughs) I remember the first time I popped out of the water in a jet pack. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh god yeah i would definitely want to see that so yeah that looks mental and that's out on june 16th wunderbar yeah wonderful well do you know what i'm going to keep you talking phil because it's time for the review section oh and first up we have a film that has been on our radar for a few months here in the u.s it was released around christmas time however it made its uk debut just this very week And based on the critical claim of both its director and leading star gathering pace around the awards circuit, we thought it was time to watch and review Sound of Metal. Phil, what did you make of this one? Yes. So, Sound of Metal. um, Directed in his feature directing debut by Darius Marder. Um, This tells the story of Ruben, played by Riz Ahmed. and he is a drummer in a heavy metal, like two piece uh, band alongside his girlfriend, Lou, um, played by Olivia Cook, who you may know from um, Ready Player One, among lots of other things. She plays yep. Artemis in Ready Player One, mm-hmm. I guess, most famously or biggest role, I guess. Um, and he has so Ruben has a history of drug use and he's managed to overcome his demons for the for the last few years and the couple are you know enjoying life they're on the road playing with their band they're touring the country in their camper van um playing their music but it soon takes a drastic turn as Ruben begins to lose his hearing one night before a show um so the film you know, then sort of completely flips on its head and takes a direction, you know, that turns into a very personal and difficult story following Ruben as he takes, you know, a huge journey into living with hearing loss. You know, it's permanent hearing damage that he's he's done and it's it's really bad. He goes down to, I think they say about like 20% hearing. And he goes from, you know, doing and being able to do something he really loves in music and to having to deal with not being able to hear and everything that goes along with that. Um, so he seeks help from others in a similar situation where he meets Joe played by the brilliant Paul Ratchie. Um, and he is a deaf Vietnam veteran who runs a, like a rural retreat for people who are also deaf, but also have had problems with addiction as well. Um, so, uh, so yeah, he goes to this sort of like camp where he stays, uh, and he has to, you know, he has to relearn a lot of things. He has to the, the things that we take for granted, um, because especially because it's because obviously he can still speak, having known, you know, he hasn't been deaf from birth, so he knows what his voice sounds sounds like and should sound like. And uh, but he then he has to obviously learn sign language and and to read lips and everything that goes along with with hearing problems. So, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go into what happens next or how it ends, but, uh, you know, I want to keep it spoiler free as we do with reviews, but performance wise, Riz Ahmed is absolutely amazing in this. He, he goes from, um, you know, like jumpy, 
angry, scared, uh, everything, like all the emotions. He has scenes where he absolutely freaks out, as you would in this situation, and he is brilliant. Um, apparently, he, he relocated to New York um, for the role. He became mm. fluent in American Sign Language. Wow. Um, so he was able to communicate with like the deaf actors that are on set. Um, he also learned the drums <laughs> because mm-hmm. he obviously it's part of the role. Very believably. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's not a lot of drumming in it, but mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. you know, believably from what, you know, from what you do see. Um, so it explains why it feels really authentic. And, and that's another reason why he's been nominated for best actor for this film as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it really is one of the best performances I've seen in a while, like in any mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no one is bad in it. Olivia Cook is really strong. She does a really good job uh, playing Lou, his girlfriend. Um, and Paul Ratchie, who I mentioned before, he he does a, a great job in this as well. So really powerful couple of scenes he has in it. And he's also been nominated for uh, uh, for support, uh, Best Supporting Actor mm. in this as well. Uh, unsurprisingly, unsurprisingly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. He's yeah. fantastic in it as well. Um, but I think, you know, one of the main stars of the show is the sound design. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously it's going to be important in a film like this because you're talking about hearing loss, but it's got like constant um, switching of audio where it goes to like Ruben's point of view where he, you know, his hearing ranges from like, you know, just starts with like low rumbling or there's white noise or stark silence. And then back to obviously when other people are sp- speaking to him, it goes back to clear audio and it's, it's really, really effective. Mm-hmm. And it's, if I'm honest, it's uncomfortable to listen to mm-hmm. at times mm-hmm. as well, but Agreed. that's the point, isn't it? Yeah. That's the point of it. So I can see why, and again, another award nomination, the sound design team have been nominated uh, for an Oscar for best sound design as well. And I can absolutely see why, because it really draws you into it and gives you a sense of, what it's like you know mm-hmm. um i think it for me it hits home a little bit this film because as you know i play guitar i'm a, i'm not a musician as a job but i've played the guitar for years and played mm-hmm. in bands for years since i was young and i play in a band now and i love music in general like you do as well and i think the thought of losing your hearing and not being able to do something that you love doing and hearing the music that you love listening to is uh it's a hard hard thought to swallow um mm. you know I, I even had some temporary sort of hearing problems recently mm-hmm. um just to do with stuff that needed clearing in my ears <laughs> not to go into too much but you know i had trouble hearing and even for those cup like those week or two where i had trouble it was horrible i hated it you know mm. just mm. so yeah i think watching this film um does make it you know and i've got also i've also got like a bit of permanent tinnitus as well from Mm. just years of playing gigs and bits and pieces so Mm. i think it sort of made me realize you've you know you really do have to look after your hearing um you know obviously it's not caused by uh things sometimes but yeah it's just it just made watching it even more uncomfortable for me because it sort of had a bearing um so you know let it be said the film's bleak (laughs) it's yeah you know it's never gonna be a happy film it's bleak and it's tough to experience but it's so well done with such amazing performances it's you have you know it's really really worth a watch yeah um so yeah that's 
so I said it's I know you've watched it as well didn't you what what did you what did you think I really have nothing else to add I think you absolutely nailed it um the the Riz Ahmed performance was incredible there's just some amazing scenes in this the, the very opening shot if you remember of the the camera kind of slowly panning and zooming into Riz Ahmed as he's sitting on the on a drum kit at the start yeah. of, a, of a show or the start of a song it reminded me a lot of uh Raging Bull Scorsese yeah. with you know De Niro kind of those kind of in-ring fight shots you know that was yeah. that was you know interesting I also thought that the movie itself was going to be more about him dealing with that while he was trying to play but actually did, what yeah. you see what you see in the trailer is kind of the first 10 minutes of the movie and it becomes this more expansive um kind of quest for his hear his hearing you know mm. and for his passions um and that i really you know identified with that in a lot of ways um and i i also there, there's one scene in particular that really I, I thought was incredible this is how you know an actor's conveying an emotion without really doing very much uh, well mm. doing a lot but without looking like they're doing very much was the scene where there's there's they're in a kind of hearing school for the for the deaf and there are a group of children around a piano and they have their hands on this grand piano so they can feel the vibrations and yeah this uh pianist is playing like a beautiful melody and uh Riz Ahmed is with them and obviously these kids have been probably deaf from birth so they're just enjoying feeling these vibrations but his on his face you can see that he's looking at these kids thinking they're experiencing these vibrations but they're missing out on these beautiful melodies and sounds and this is what he's yeah. missing this is he you know he's aware of what you know music can be or what 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 sound is you know and yeah. and that was devastating mm. um but yeah I, I couldn't agree more with your review where can yeah. uh, people watch this film so that is available to stream on amazon prime right now beautiful Ooh. highly recommended from both of us so go and watch it just maybe not on a saturday night with a takeaway on your lap. No, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> or on a Friday morning. <laughs> um, so in, uh, let's say, less um, intelligent, deep, uh, com more commercial climbs, uh, I sat down to watch Chaos Walking. Um, this is a long gestating sci-fi project from the director of Edge of Tomorrow, Doug Lyman. Mm -hmm. starring the, the hot talent of right now, um, Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley of yep. Spider-Man and Star Wars fame. Um, so what could go wrong? Well, evidently, pretty much everything. Oh, first, the, first the plot. So this is based on the young adult novels um, uh, around, the, uh, around the, the production by Jared Hess. Um, it sees Prentice Town, a colony of New World um, which is a new planet that resembles Earth in the 23rd century. We see Todd, right. played by Tom Holland, uh, who's been brought up to believe that a domestic alien race that shares the planet have slaughtered all the women and unleashed the noise, a supernatural phenomenon enabling the internal thoughts of all men to be heard and visualized. So... After discovering a girl named Viola, his surrogate parents immediately tell him that he has to run away, leaving him with only a map of New World um, and many unanswered questions. So the the cast, I mean, an incredible you know depth. 
Tom Holland, Daisy Ridley would, you know, sell out, you would imagine sell out movie theaters, you know, just with their name attached to something. Um, supporting casts, Mads Mikkelsen, our old friend, mm-hmm. Mr. Lashif, uh, on similar kind of ball busting villain duties in, in this movie as the ominous May Apprentice. Uh, Demian Bashir as Holland's father. Um, and a really underused and one night, one note, David Oyelowo, who was, has been fantastic in a lot of dramas, Selma in particular, um, about, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., which was mm. a, an amazing role. Um, here he's a radical preacher in a kind of Yule Brenner in the original Westworld movie yeah. type Terminator like character. Um, right. Um, but this is more of a testament to bad writing than bad performances, I want to say. I just want to go on record right. to say that. So I'll talk more about the noise. And it's interesting that we talk about a, the perfect example of sound design and how sound can be utilized almost as a, as a character to convey an emotion and a feeling. Mm. Um, the success of this movie really, I think, rested on pulling off the noise, which I'll explain in a moment. Basically, the characters are on this planet of New World and you see these weird kind of thought bubbles around their head and you can see things that they're thinking of. So if I'm thinking of my dog, then I would see my dog running around. Or if I'm thinking, wow, I really need to go to, to the toilet right now. Then I'm like, oh, I need to go to the toilet. Don't think of, don't think of waterfalls. Don't think of waterfalls. It's that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, really kind of, kind of dumb. Okay. So as an overthinker, this was really stressful for me because I overthink everything. Like I'm watching a movie and I'm thinking about 50 other things at once and I'm watching this and you've got characters speaking while other characters are thinking, or you've got a character saying something and thinking something else. So you know, Daisy Ridley will ask Tom Holland, oh, do you know where we're going? And he'll be like, yeah, of course I know. And then he'll be like, do I? Um, maybe I don't. Yeah, I definitely do. Do I? I don't know. It's like so stressful. It's so stressful. <laughs> Do you hear and it audibly? You hear it audibly. Yeah. What so he he'll said, be like, yeah. he'll be talking. She'll say, uh, do you know where we're going? And he, with his mouth, will say, yes, absolutely. I know where we're going. Follow me. And then with his mouth closed, it'll be like, but do I know where I'm going? Maybe I don't. Maybe I do. <laughs> and she'll be like, do you know where we're going? And he's like, I know exactly where we're going. <laughs> I haven't got a fucking clue where we're going. <laughs> she that yeah. By the way, she's I mean, really hot and I'm really sexually attracted. It's like all these like weird like little things that just like segue in and like thoughts. Like the and, and it doesn't really represent the way a human kind of thought process works. It's more like immediate no. thought, you know. Yeah. It's like when they try to not show their thoughts, they have this tr- they, they try to control their thoughts so that they're generically not thinking about something and someone's lying, for example, like they'll be like saying their name, you know, my name is whatever his name, Todd. Uh, I'm Todd, I'm Todd, I'm Todd, I'm Todd, I'm Todd. Maybe just be saying it over and over. So it's just really, I don't know, stressful. Like it's just yeah. stressful. And the sound design as well, really, really muddied. At one point I toyed with putting on the closed captions because I was just lost in <laughs> who was actually saying something, who was just thinking it. Yeah. And whether I could actually fully hear what they were thinking, it was, it was really weird. So I think this is something they had to get perfectly executed in order for the concept to work. And I think they mainly did that in the visual representation. Like there's a moment where he like scares someone by thinking of a snake and the snake kind of comes out of his head and goes, Bleh. Um, right. but at the same time, it's, it's kind of stupid. So you have to nail it, you know, um, call outs. There were some also really graphic scenes of animal cruelty, really right. unnecessarily. So 
which I got to say left me really fucking angry. Like watching a movie where you see like horses breaking their legs and falling off cliffs and being put out of their misery or drowning like yeah. is bad enough. Yeah. Seeing a dog get drowned by a, a human character Jesus was Christ. fucking awful and just inexcusable for me. It left me feeling so fucking angry that yeah, not only could like a director or a writer, but the entire production could build something around that, you know, and have that involved in a, in a scene. It just, uh, you know, I know there's reality there. There are, you know, movies that tell a story around animal cruelty and, and, and that kind of thing or cruelty to, to people, you know, and people have to die for stakes, but I just hate seeing animals being used as like this whimsical motivation for villainy, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm not talking about the man punted Baxter. Like I'm not talking about <laughs> no. Anchorman where Jack no. Black drop kicks a clearly like stuffed, like what well, it doesn't even look like a dog. It looks like a monkey. It's got really long arms <laughs> yeah, and legs and he like, boots it off of a bridge. It's clear that it's, that's point. It's, it's clear that it's not. And it's, and it, it's played for laughs, but it's yeah. not, but at no point does it feel like it's graphic or an actual dog. It's that's yeah. part of the joke. This graphic fucking horrible. And I, and, and as soon as I saw that, and I think I'm, I'm with a lot of people here, you see that in a film, you're like, fuck this. I'm not watching this. This is mm. horrible. You know? Yeah. So that really, that really pissed me off to be honest. Um, into, in general, the film is really muddled. It feels like a failure, like that you're watching, you know, live in the flesh from the lo-fi budget, which essentially means that the new world, um, which is a futuristic movie set in the 23rd century, um, is basically all in the countryside. And it's like the <laughs> Wild West. People ride around on horses, so there's no need for like hover cars or, you know, anything, any CGI. Right. They all they all live in like cabins and shacks. They all <laughs> like talk like, howdy, y'all. It is based, based on Planet of the Apes. Planet of the yeah. Apes crossed through Westworld. It's, it, I mean, there you go. End of review. Um, but it, it's basically, it's basically very much like that. Um, and some background to this as well. It, this had extensive rewrites. It had extensive reshoots. Um, there was an initial script from my personal favorite, Charlie Kaufman, uh, who wrote adaptation and being John Malkovich and all these incredible movies. Yeah. Um, however, only a few lines of his dialogue remain in the script because you can imagine that would be really fucked up, but probably way more interesting than anything that you see here. Six other writers were involved in in shaping and rewriting the script. And following the initial shoot, uh, there were extensive reshoots that cost Lionsgate, the studio, over $15 million to organize uh, around two years after the initial shoot, which two meant years. that Daisy Ridley and... Tom Holland both aged in some roles. They looked slightly older in some mm. scenes. Um, and they also brought in Fede Alvarez to, to do that, um, who remade The Evil Dead. So Doug Lyman had actually moved on to another project that he was tied into and, and was making another movie. So all of this isn't unheard in Hollywood. Like movies are akin and usually will have extensive reshoots or, you know, um, or rewrites of the script. And Lyman himself has been involved with projects that, that have actually borne success from this kind of tumultuous production. Um, an example being Edge of Tomorrow, which is a, the perfect example. Chris McQuarrie was still writing the fucking script while they were shooting it on, uh, in Leavesden <laughs> yeah. in the UK. Um, so, you know, he, he has been involved in these kind of movies. That movie, interestingly, also got retitled 
from its very generic name, like Chaos Walking, we have Edge of Tomorrow, also got retitled to Live, Die, Repeat after its cinema release. Yeah, it's really odd. I don't understand that. Why? Uh, To be honest, I would have done the same with Chaos Walking because generic alert. Um, It hasn't done well. It's been released, uh, you know, obviously in in theatres and it hasn't done particularly well, as you can imagine. Uh, This was really ready to be released about three years ago um, Mm. and has just been gestating since then. Generic in name, not necessarily in content, in concept or or execution. Um, Like the Justice League that we talked about on the last episode, it's another curio for the cinema fan. Um, But for the casual audience, um, definitely a mixed and deeply unsatisfying um, one-note young adult adaptation that will leave you cold, which is a huge surprise given the talent of everyone involved. Lionsgate themselves were aware of this, leaving on the shelf for, for, for that period of time, um, releasing it in today's pandemic. Not to say the concept isn't interesting, perhaps the decision was a good one to keep it until a time where people could actually watch it at home. Mm. Um, and sadly for me, that means that Chaos Walking is a miss. Oh dear. Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> That's Definitely a shame. Chaos. I, I didn't get around, I, did, I didn't have time to watch it in time for the podcast. But yeah, I remember we talked about the, um, I think I picked up on the trailer like months ago. It was, it was a while ago. Yep. And uh, I thought the idea was, you know, although it sounds actually hellish in practice, yep. I think it sounded like a, a, a cool sort of idea. But yeah, maybe it just works better in books. <laughs> and you know me, I love I love sci-fi, even if it's done fairly badly, even if people don't yeah. rate it or if it's generic, you know, Oblivion with Tom Cruise. Yeah. I absolutely love that movie for some reason. Love it. Edge of Tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. also with Tom Cruise, weirdly. Love that yeah. movie. This just, it just doesn't work. It's sad. It's just, and mm. it's not worth, it's not worth the watch, sadly. Um, so, you know, which I'll is- i probably still watch it. I was just going to say, you know, <laughs> make, make up your own mind, take from that what you will, but- there are a lot of factors in there that for me, you know, really, uh, really were disappointing. So. Oh, well. Well, it's a very positive review section we had this week. Now. Okay. So <laughs> let's kick things up a notch in that case, Phil. What do you say? I'd say that sounds like a fine plan. It's time for this. Hello and welcome to Video Store Corner. Amongst these hallowed halls, we've seen some of cinema's wildest, wackiest, and most fun adventures on display. And this week, we have Phil coming in to pick a movie. He's walking around those hallowed aisles. He can smell the smell of warm electrical equipment and popcorn. Can't you, Phil? CRT television over there. He's right down, he's right down the back. <laughs> you, I say, if you could move a little bit closer to the cash desk. Have you got any Bill Murray films? Oh, Ghostbusters one and two. No, not interested. Okay, yeah, I've seen them. No. Um, interested. Kingpin. No, not interested. Oh, seen that too. Yep. Uh, Lost in Translation. Not interested. What about Bob? <laughs> oh. 
I like that. That was a good link. I didn't expect that. Yeah. <laughs> have you oh, had you seen it before? No. Have I have I seen What About Bob before? Mm. Uh, yes, I have seen it before, but not for a long time. Same, same for me. Why don't we rent yeah. that and watch that? What do you say? Uh, it sounds like a plan. I don't know why I'm renting it as if I'm the store clerk and then like I'm going to come around the house work and, watch and then it we're going to go back and watch it at your house. All right, all right. Should we go to the pub first? All right. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what about Bob? Phil, do you want to take us through the plot? Okay. Yes. So this is 1991's Frank Oz directed What About Bob? Mm -hmm. uh, starring uh, Bill Murray. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'll, I'll go into this in the thing. Don't worry. This will be covered in what I'm about to say. So okay. the plot is, before going on vacation, mm -hmm. self-involved psychiatrist Dr. Leo Marvin, Richard Dreyfus, has the misfortune of taking on a new patient, Bob Wiley, Bill Murray. An exemplar of neediness and a compendium of phobias, Bob follows Marvin to his family's country house. Uh, Dr. Marvin tries to get him to leave. The trouble is, everyone loves Bob. <laughs> As his oblivious patient makes himself at home, Dr. Marvin loses his professional composure and before long may be ready for the loony bin himself. <laughs> this is something that I hadn't seen since myself and my brother, I believe, rented it in like 92 or whenever it came out eventually on video. Just for our listeners who are maybe younger than we are, videos used to take, movies used to take years to come out on video. Like they would be they in the movie theater and it would be like, 18 months you'd be waiting for them to come out on video cassette it was it was torturous absolutely yeah. torturous and then you would walk around the, the video store and you just see these random movies that you'd never even heard of what about bob was one of those you know yeah. i don't remember it being in the theaters you know i just remember it no. being being available and um i remember loving this as a kid i probably watched it three times because that's what you used to do you used to rent a video and then you'd watch something three times and then you'd rewind it and take it back to the, yeah. to the store right um, and I probably watched this a lot, but I haven't seen it since then. Wow, that's a long time. I've definitely Until seen it in the last watch. few years. I, I think, I think the last time I saw it, I think it was on TV, but I caught like the last thirty minutes of it, mm -hmm. and that was that was quite a few years ago. What a thirty minutes that is! <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> that's all you need. <laughs> the last thirty minutes of this film are fucking insane. <laughs> they really, are. they are, aren't they? Considering yes. it's about a psychotherapist. Yeah. Um, but let's talk, let's talk about the performances. So you've got, you've got Bill Murray there as Bob Wiley. Um, this, it almost to me felt, it felt like setting the scene for Jack Nicholson's character in as good as it gets. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah. but it's, it's, it's also weird that, that to watch a movie that's kind of poking fun at mental health. Yeah. I thought that at the time I was like, mm. You know, he's obviously got some problems. <laughs> but the, the the thing is, the thing that I did like about that, though, is that they kind of trade it off as if he hasn't actually got any problems. Yeah, he's 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 establishing problems so that he doesn't get them. Yes. So so there's like that scene where he he explains, you know, his issues, you know, his phobias and fears. You know, he fears his heart's going to stop beating. So yeah. what does he do? He fakes heart attacks so that it means he's not actually having a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. Um. He 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 says, you know, I have. Yeah, have you ever heard of Tourette's? He's like, of course, I've heard of Tourette's. And he's like, well, I fucking blah 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 pissant blah 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 blah. He yeah. starts screaming his head off, but he's like, I don't actually have Tourette's, but as long as I'm pretending I'm having Tourette's, 
I don't actually have it, got it. <laughs> and therefore yeah. I don't have to be afraid of it. You know. <laughs> yeah. So I don't yeah. think he actually has. That's the thing. I don't think he actually has any um, issues, so to speak. I think it's. <laughs> I think well, that is an issue in itself, obviously. But I think it's it's more played for laughs in the fact that it's Bill Murray, who you know is when he plays these kind of roles, he's this kind of opportunist that can put on a certain persona yeah. in order to get what he wants. Don't you think you know it's I mean? the, the most Bill Murray role there could be? I would say it is apart from the fact that there's no leching over any female characters, <laughs> yeah. which is which is very un-Bill Murray. True. Like. And True. it is also something that's starting to come to more of a fore in recent years. People are looking back at Venkman and that kind of thing is fairly toxic male yeah. roles, understandably. Yeah. Um, but luckily this one kind of survives. It doesn't go after the chauvinism, but it does go after the mental health crap. Fucking hell. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. oh God. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot in this film that I really like though. Like yeah. it's got, it's got a good cast. Um, Cause you've got, uh, it's a very nineties cast, isn't it? What, 80s, it's a 90s very nineties cast. Because you've got um, Julie Haggerty playing mm-hmm. uh, um, Faye Marvin, oh, wife Leo. of Doctor Marvin. Yeah, like the most, and Leo, you'll know her most don't famously. Don't be so mean to Bob. <laughs> you'll know her most famously as um, uh, I can't remember her character name in Airplane. The yes, in yeah, airplane. yeah, yeah. Uh, softly, she's always really, really softly spoken, and she's exactly the same in this. It's like she left the. I the wish air she industry. was my mum. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wish she was my mum. I was watching this. So I was like, <laughs> I wish she was my mum, but she is also like, I mean, she's had a few knocks to the head or something in her life because she's she's in, she's also insane. Like she's uh, repressed. Yes. She's a repressed character, isn't she? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> And you've also got the, I'm trying to think of his name, um, the kid from Sigmund, Siggy. Sigmund, yeah, yep. that's his character name. Uh, it's Charlie Cosmo. Charlie Cosmo, is that his, mm. is that his mm. name? Mm. Wow, that's a good name. Uh, yeah, who again, he's one of those like kids that was in stuff around that time and then Dick Tracy. Never, never see again. Yeah, Dick Tracy, Dick Tracy, Hook, well. yep. and What yep. About Bob? I mean, that's what a pretty good Bob? CV, even if he left it there. Well, what about Bob? He um <laughs> he actually is a lawyer now. He quit acting. And is he? A, okay. Yeah, he's a he's a full blown lawyer. I had this conversation. I thought it was on this podcast, but we I went skiing a few weeks ago and we watched Hook at about three in the morning. And we were like, yeah. "What happened to that kid?" And I, I looked him up, and he's actually a he's actually a lawyer now. He completely quit acting. Can you imagine if you had you know? If you had to go to court and you hired a lawyer, and the if kid he murdered Hook a whole ton of people and then he turned up as your lawyer, the kid from Hook turned up. You'd to, be like, uh, pres- represent you. Am I insane? Maybe he'd teach you dive. He'd teach you to go diving. <laughs> like, are you, are you the kid from Hook? I think I, I think I, I have to say, I think I identified with him when I was a kid in this movie because I was quite macabre, and uh, you know, his kind of. The, when he comes out and he, uh, Richard Dreyfus wants to take him diving off of the, you know, off of the the jetty, pontoon. like a, the pontoon, <laughs> bamboo, bamboo, the bamboo pontoon. pontoon. Yeah, go well, on. there's a recurring joke from our Mortal Kombat <laughs> review. Yeah. Get over here. Um, and Dreyfus, as the typical American father, tries to kind of teach his son to dive, and the kid won't have anything to do with it. And he comes out in a black robe with black t-shirt and black swimming shorts. 
Yeah. And I was like, love this. This is exactly, this was exactly me. So emo. <laughs> and he's like sitting in the room with Bob and he's like, Bob, you are going to die. And he's like this 11 year old kid. Bob's like, what? He's like, you ever think about that? You're going to die, Bob. And he's like, am I? He's like, there's nothing you can do about it, Bob. Like they're like laying there trying to go to sleep. Yeah. I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> that was me when I was a kid, 100%. So like dark. It's still funny though, because there's that bit uh, which goes towards one of my favorite scenes where um, we can talk about, I think, because as you said, his dad's trying to teach him to dive and he just doesn't yeah. want to do it. He doesn't want to jump off the pontoon. Mm. And then Bob comes along, doesn't he, at the, at the house and mm-hmm. uh, who's just been sailing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and by sailing we mean strapped to the front tied to a mast yeah yeah tied to a tied mast. to the main sail yeah and uh sailed around the lake or whatever it is yeah i'm um, sailing i'm sailing yeah and um bob comes along and <laughs> inadvertently teaches him how to dive and mm-hmm. he does it doesn't he mm. uh, but then but before that he's saying like he has a good line where he's like Oh, when my dad dropped, like callously dropped me in the water, like my, la- my life yeah. flashed before my eyes and Bob's yeah. like, well, it's lucky you're, you're only 12. And he's like, yeah, but it was still really grim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. quite a good uh, character. I thought in talking, speaking of Dreyfus, I thought that this, you, you see a lot of these kind of 80s, 90s, you know, two, two-handers, you know, Midnight Run is one of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with, De- with De Niro and Charles Grodin, you know, where... You have the kind of more uptight character and then you have the, you know, the fun, outgoing, crazy character. Mm. And usually that uptight character will, will have some form of an arc of, of redemption or, you know, merging their character to become more fun and learning a, a life lesson. Yeah. Dreyfus in this is a bastard from start to finish. <laughs> yeah, he's like never not a bastard. Smug. <laughs> he hates bastard. him. Egotistical, admit, vain. Though, I think yeah. if I was in his position, I would be like that. Everybody would, but that's the funny thing that you, you know, everyone in this position would be like, get the fuck out. What are you doing in my house? Why have you followed my family? I think the first thing you do though, Phil, if I'm not wrong, is you'd call the fucking police and you'd yeah. be like, this, <laughs> this obsessive compulsive He's neurotic stalking us. is stalking me and my family, calling me in the middle of the night, turning up at my house, pretending to commit suicide so he can get the address of where I'm staying on my vacation. <laughs> and now he's sleeping in a bedroom with my son, yeah, my 12-year-old son. I don't son. think you'd have it, would you? I don't think you'd have any of it. No. Um, but the kind of passiveness, the weakness, he shows a lot of weakness yeah. as a strong character. If you, if, you, if you know, he gives in a lot to his family. He apologizes a lot, but then continues to, to that kind of continue on that same path. Yeah. Um, until the point of, and you know, obviously for those that, that have watched this movie, he starts out as this very self-assured, you know, cocky kind of um, psychiatrist in in New York, and by the end of it, he basically gets committed into an insane asylum, and it becomes a mute and a <laughs> <Yeah>. dribbling wreck. <laughs> and, Bob marries his. Well, Bob sister. marries his sister, and he, there's that brilliant line: "If anyone here has anything to say, you know, say it now or forever hold your peace." And he's like sitting in his wheelchair, just dribbling. I was just like, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh dear. But I thought that I thought Dreyfus was he was actually really fucking good in this, and in particular when when he starts to lose his mind. <laughs> and uh, decides that he's going to murder Bob. Yeah, yeah, that's where it goes to. I ain't going to shoot you, Bob. 
I'm just going to blow you up. <laughs> yeah, I like the fact that he breaks into like the general store mm-hmm. and looks at the guns and goes, no, too messy. Like <laughs> but then he decides to blow him up. Yeah, he decides to actually walk, march him into the middle of the woods. He ties Bill Murray up to a tree and then uh, puts these two bags, uh, kind of cooler bags, like picnic cooler bags, mm. full of explosives with a timer around his neck and yep. just leaves him in the middle of the woods. He kind of walks off laughing. <laughs> He's like laughing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like proper crazy at that yeah, point. It's going to be a show, Bob. <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic, though, that, that scene. I really love that. That, mark, that moment when he comes when he gets really unhinged and the fact Bill Murray is just ignorant to it and just continues to love the doctor <laughs> yeah he loves him he walks know. out the house with a birthday cake <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, favourite scene I, I think we might have the same uh, there's a couple of scenes uh, well one of the ones that did really make me laugh just because it was ridiculous was like I said earlier on when um, <laughs> Bob's taught the doctor's son to dive mm. and he pushes bob into the water and bob's mm. got like the life jacket on from doing the sailing earlier in the yeah. day and it's just really made me laugh when he's in the water and he's trying to, they're all concerned about him and trying to get him out but he's like lying on his back like kicking with his legs with his in arms behind his head and like to try and get back to the shore but he's really <laughs> freaking out and he's like am i gonna die am i gonna die <laughs> well, he's, and he paddles like not around the, the pontoon but he under goes it under, underneath <laughs> it and it just really made me laugh that he went underneath it i don't know why yeah it's just ridiculous there was yeah, that I, there was a lot of those scenes of murray just improvising i think yeah i, I loved as well i loved as well this isn't my favorite i'll come on to that but in the same view the the first scene when uh, Dreyfus tells Murray to leave the family house and walk home to wherever it is he's staying, and he's and he yeah. and he's walking home, and you see him walking along this kind of country road on his own, and he's like saying, "I'm I'm taking baby steps. I'm I'm walking walking alone. I'm I'm fine. I'm I'm completely alone. I'm just walking. I'm 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 alone. I'm completely alone. I'm alone. I'm so alone. I'm so alone. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> like scream. Yeah, like." just his mind working like going yeah. from calm like to overthinking you know and to not, the point not... of where it's distressed him exactly exactly yeah. and like he does that a lot in this. as someone that has neuroses and has had neuroses like, i really did empathize with that i've yeah. not not like being alone but like the way that the the mind can go from being calm and positive to being you know just completely over just flipping it the other side completely yeah. flipping the other way I, I thought it was really really funny what was so? What was your favorite scene then? Um, if I said uh, corn on the cob, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Okay. So, so this is the scene where um, uh, Richard Dreyfus's wife Faye invites Bob to stay for for dinner. Yeah, and obviously, you know, Dreyfus is just sitting there. They're all sitting around this big table eating, and you know, Murray clearly not welcomed by by Doctor Marvin is just sitting there watching. You know, Bill Murray, and Bill Murray is just. He's, he's got a plate full of mashed potatoes and fried chicken and, and salad. And he's eating this corn on the cob, but he's making the most like sexual eating it's, noise. It's very he's inappropriate. Like, he's like, like children at the table. It's really inappropriate. He's really munching on it. And he's yeah. like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> like, it's like he's like high. You know, it's like when you smoke so much weed that food is just incredible, like a sexual <laughs> yeah. experience. Like, oh, like, is this hand chucked? He's like, yeah. Oh, is this hand chucked? Mm. 
<laughs> like Richard Drivers is like, will you shut the hell up? <laughs> like, <laughs> it just goes on for ages, doesn't it? To the point it's going on for ages. can't handle it anymore. And then, um, and then in that same scene, Dreyfus goes in the kitchen and I can't remember why, but um, he starts laughing at something, but he's got a mouthful of food, starts to choke, that classic trope. But then Bill Murray has to do CPR on him and he's just, he gets him on a couch and he's, Bill Murray's just literally jumping, <laughs> jumping on Richard Dreyfuss's back. back. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because they're oh. like tracking his, like Bill Murray's crazy With the camera. He's like going up and down. Yeah, he's like, and he's like, breathe, <laughs> like, breathe, breathe, breathe. Yeah. Another, 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 um, uh, Heimlich maneuver scene in a Bill Murray movie, like along the lines of Groundhog Day. Yeah, that's true. When he saves his own brother. It does. From choking the mayor. I think about that. Yeah. God damn it. But yeah, he um, yeah, it's that scene, and he he drives chokes, drives is choking. He spits out whatever the piece of chicken or whatever it is. Then Bill Murray for about another ten seconds just keeps jumping on his back, and it's just, he's like, get him off, get off, get him off away. It's a visual joke. It doesn't always work on a podcast, but if you watch it, you will laugh. You will like it. Like you will there's, laugh. You know. Do you, you think? Do you think that um, Bob Wiley? Here, played by Bill Murray, is uh, actually a threat. Um, I think he is because he does a lot of wry smiling. Like he knows what he's doing. Like you, you think towards the I end, agree. he knows what he, he knows what he's doing. Yes, yeah. I hate him. Like I, I, I am with mm-hmm. Richard Dreyfus. I hate him. Like he's so annoying. <laughs> Don't hold. He's back, so though. annoying. <laughs> but. You could see why, and if well, you can see why he's lovable. Why, in fact, it goes to one of the lines, right? So it says, doc, "So this is a little bit of like dialogue." So the doctor says, "You understand, don't you? There's no other solution. You won't go away." And he says, "I will." And he says, "No, you won't. You're just saying you will, but then after I don't kill you, you'll show up again, and you'll do something else to make everyone in life in my life." <laughs> think that you are wonderful and I'm a schmuck but I'm not a schmuck Bob I'm not going to let you breeze into town and take my family away from me just because you're crazy enough to be fun <laughs> <laughs> and it's true it's like everyone thinks he's like the best fun. guy in the world but actually he's yeah. a fucking nightmare actually he's a nutcase yeah he's got, that, that's what he says, the uh, point of the film isn't it I suppose he's got the bomb he's got that in that exact scene he's got the bomb around his neck that you just mentioned and he's like what are you what are we doing and Dr. Marvin's like death therapy Bob it's a guaranteed cure. Yeah, yeah. I do love that scene as well where he's like, where, he, you know, he's the doctor, he's so exasperated and he's trying to explain to his family. He's like, he won't go away. And they're like, he's gone. And he's like, he's not gone. That's the point. And he opens the door again and he's just standing there. Yeah. He's and he's there. like, is this yeah. some new sort of therapy? <laughs> that I remember laughing like crazy when I was a kid at that scene. I remember that, yeah. was, that, was, that was really funny. I also, talking about, like how I how you're right. I think Murray knows exactly what he's doing, and the the part where I think I hated him and I was like, this guy is really fucked up, and this could be a horror movie, is like um, Slither, if you if you've ever seen that, mm. um, is the scene when he keeps calling the phone exchange, like the operator in the building that Doctor Marvin works in, and uh, getting hold of this woman called Betty, and she's like, he's on vacation, you can't get his number, blah 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 blah. So he decides to go to the building and knocks on the door of the operator room and pretends to be a detective who is investigating the quote-unquote suicide of Bob Wiley 15 minutes ago. (laughs) Yeah. That guy that kept phoning you up, he actually committed suicide. Yeah. 
He committed yeah. suicide 15 minutes ago, and we're going to need <laughs> the address. Like, oh, no. <laughs> we're gonna, yeah, we're going to need the address of Dr. Leo Marvin because I have some questions for him. Like, how <laughs> it's fucking so dark. Isn't it? It's so it's really dark. dark. So dark. Do you know what it reminded me of? You know the whole like, opening scene of this <laughs> film? Uh, where he's getting like ready in his apartment and he's talking to his goldfish and he's getting, yeah. like he says I've got to go to work but Gil. and then he lit yeah Gil and he's like walking out of his apartment down the corridor. Do you know yeah. what that that really reminded me of the Joker, the film. Ooh, the yes, Joker. Yeah, yeah. Like it just felt yeah. like that kind of character. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. They should have put um. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they should have. <laughs> yeah that would have been brilliant um but also terrifying. Me of that. yeah also terrifying. no you're right all right no you're right i also i also liked about that scene by the way when he pretends to be the detective that he the doctor then gets a phone call in the middle of the night from the operator and she's like just to let you know you know he wakes up claps and the light comes on he's got one of those 80s clappers and the light comes <laughs> yeah, the on. Clapper lights, yeah. and he's like hello she's like oh betty's like oh what is it now it's not bob again she went no no he he died he committed suicide he's like oh okay all right well thanks for the call betty Good night. Puts phone down, and the wife wakes up and is like, uh, "What? What is it, honey?" He's like, "Oh, um, just a patient that committed suicide." Anyway, I'm not going to let that spoil our vacation. <laughs> Clap! <laughs> the lights go <laughs> off. And he goes back to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> that was brilliant. Yeah, I really like that. Um, sorry, you can say something. You know, what I'm going to ask you. Go on. Do you want some trivia? Phil's trivia section. <laughs> no one can trivia better like Phil. Better like Phil. I don't even know what that I still, means. I still need to do it. I'm just riffing. I'm just riffing, man. Back um, off, man. I'm a scientist. So, some trivia from mm. my favorite IMDb trivia section. Um, in interviews, uh, <laughs> Dreyfus has reiterated uh, what he said. So, this is a bit of a long one, but it's interesting. Mm. So, he said what he said of his experience of working with Bill Murray. He further alleged in 2019 that at one point during the production, Murray screamed at him while intoxicated, telling him, everyone hates you, you are tolerated. Um, and then threw an ashtray at him, uh, like a big, like a glass heavy ashtray, wow. which missed him by a couple of feet. Um, Murray, on the other hand, stated that when he guest appeared on the Howard Stern show in 2014, I really tried to make the other actor look good wherever I can. I tried to make the other person look good in this particular film, annoying Dreyfus, which I kind of got to enjoy. I've got to confess, uh, <laughs> but I didn't try to annoy him off screen. And apparently the producer, Laura Ziskin recalled having a disagreement with Bill Murray, um, which led him to toss her in the lake. <laughs> Ziskin confirmed it in 2003. He, um, Bill also threatened to throw me across the parking lot and then broke my sunglasses and threw them across the parking lot. Oh, wow. I was furious and outraged at the time, but having produced a dozen movies, I can safely say it is not common behavior. <laughs> wow. Not uncommon behavior. <clears throat> yeah. So like, wow. you know, so obviously there's no love lost there between mm. Dreyfus and um, <laughs> Bill Murray. Mm. They don't think they like each other very much, but I think they respect each other. I've read other interviews where they're like, "Yeah, he's you know, Dreyfus is like he's a funny guy." Yeah, I didn't get along with him. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of scenes in there where I think you can tell that there's a resentment there, and, and Dreyfus is a, a you know, a accomplished actor, an actor. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. for him to be in this kind of movie is interesting. I think that he, 
I think that he's pro- probably is quite close somewhere to his character. And I think Bill Murray is quite close somewhere to his character. So I think <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, I think it's par for the course. But I do also imagine, I, I was also watching it, imagining them kind of getting drunk together and having smoke breaks in between. Yeah. And, you know, talking about the craft and that kind of thing. And, but I, you know, there's no excuse for that kind of behavior. But I do, I do think that Murray was probably going through something at this point in his career. Oh yeah. Um yeah. Cu- coming off hot off the back of, you know, his his 80s success. Huge. And then yeah. coming into the 90s and probably, you know, that part that agent in his life and, you know, um relationships and that kind of thing and and I think he possibly picked this role like he does all his roles based on where he's at in his life at that exact moment. So Yeah. Then maybe there's more of a synergy there than, you know, than we'll ever know. Yeah, definitely. And it's all written down words that we're led to believe, isn't it? Mm. So, mm. Um, some interesting stuff. So, Robin Williams was the first choice for the role of Bob Wiley. Of course. Uh, as he had been nominated for an Oscar for his performance in screenwriter Tom Shulman's Dead Poet Society mm-hmm. in 89. Mm-hmm. Uh, also distributed by Touchstone, which this was. Yep. Um, uh, so, yeah, he couldn't do it, basically. He was too busy. Um, uh so that was interesting. And then the other one was that Steve Martin was also considered for that role as well. Yeah. As Bob yeah. Wiley. Uh, well, in fact, he was, he was um, considered for both roles, either the doctor or he could have, and you could he, see that. You yeah, could have seen either, which they was should have, They should have, they should, what they should have done is, is have Steve Martin play both. <laughs> <laughs> or, and reveal it at the end that he's like the same person. Yeah. He's actually schizophrenic. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> Do you know what? Um, I think that might be a better idea than <laughs> the shrink going crazy at the end and the crazy guy becoming more quote unquote normal by the end. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Turns out Bob was a figment of his imagination <laughs> and that's why the family were putting up with him all along because they loved the, their father. Let's do what about Bob 2? We'll get it funded. Get a Kickstarter going. <laughs> what about Bob 2? <laughs> yeah. Um... What else? So, oh yeah, this is a good one. So, director Frank Oz wanted Patrick Stewart to play Doctor Leo Marvin. What do you know? I can't see that now, myself. I'm writing a script, and it's I'm kind of a James Bond type character. <laughs> and I look I up in my it. rearview mirror, and all of their clothes fall off, and I've seen everything. <laughs> I think that off. he he should have been in more comedies. I think. Oh, in yeah. his in his life, he's really good in American Dad. Like when he, yeah. does, he does one of the recurring voices in America. does, it's funny. I think he, he should be in more comedies. He should. I've seen him on stage and he was funny. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know Julie Haggerty, who plays the mother, mm-hmm. is only 10 years older than Catherine Erb, who played her daughter? No. No. Yeah, yeah 10 years. That was it. No. Yeah. She looks like about 40 in this. I know, it's mad, isn't it? Wow. It's probably quite insulting to uh, mm. Julie Haggerty. Um, yeah, I couldn't believe that. Uh, so for the scene in which Bob accidentally blows the house up, spoiler alert at the end, uh, producers used a three quarter sized model replica of the actual house, uh, that they detonated on a nearby lot. Three quarters. At that point, you're just like, let's just build the whole fucking house. Yeah. I mean, three quarters is still a shit lot of work, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah, three, let's yeah. build a house, but build it just. Let's build know, a house for children rather than we for adults. We have budget for pieces of wood that long. So let's go for three quarters like instead. Yeah. And then blow it out. That's why it looks so realistic, I guess. It does look realistic, though. I will say that. Yeah, it does look very good. But 
It's brilliant to see that scene, like you said, with Murray walking out the house with a birthday cake, and you know <laughs> yeah. exactly where the bombs you know are. What's happen. Yeah. Where, hey, but hey, Bob, where did you leave those bags I had around your neck? He's like, Oh, I left them in the house. And turn around, <laughs> the house fucking blows to smithereens and blows <laughs> all the candles on the birthday cake out as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Uh, and then what else have I got? Last bit of trivia. Um, the trailer. Oh, no, I've got two bits of trivia. The trailer features shots and footage that don't appear in the final finished film. So there's oh. a scene in this where... Where he I murders the entire to... family. <laughs> no, I watched it to compare. And you know when um, he's dropped Bob off uh, at the insane asylum and then he gets picked up by the police on the way back and he gets a flat tire, the doctor. Yes. Before his birthday party. Yep. Uh, so there's a scene in the trailer where he's going ape shit at the car and like smacking it with a golf club. He's like going, oh, he's going crazy. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's in yeah. the trailer, but it's not in the film, um, mm. which I thought was pretty funny. He's doing, and then he's finally, going full Tiger Woods. He did go full Tiger Woods. <laughs> and then finally, this was the highest growing, growing, grossing live action film released by Disney in 1991. Live act, Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, highest grossing in 91. What did that come up against then? Was it Beauty and the Beast, 91? Oh, I'm trying to think, 91. It was like Little Mermaid around then. I don't 89. know. 89? Hmm. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, and that's my trivia, Miles. It was Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast, right. Beauty well, well and the Beast. Me and you, isn't it? Beauty Wait, and the Beast. Which one am I? <laughs> I'm the beast. You're definitely the beauty, man. You're better looking than me. You're just hairier than me. <laughs> That's why I'm the beast. I'm bigger and hairier than you. Can't can it be the beast and the even beastlier beast? <laughs> That's what it should beast. be called. Beast and the beastly beastlier beast. beast. Beast and the beastlier beast. <laughs> beast and the beastlier beast. <laughs> that should be the name of our new podcast. What do you think? Beast and Tell the beastly beast. What you think, listeners? If you're out there, Beast and the Beastly Beast podcast coming to you live. <laughs> Oh, what about Bob? So what about Bob? Enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun watching it, to be honest. I did. I, I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, was, yeah. I, was, I, was, I was glad to see it again. Um, yeah. I liked it. Everyone should go and watch it. <laughs> Tell us what you think, listeners. And we're going to be uh, taking some recommendations from you for the next Video Store Corner section. So if there's any movies out there you think, let's say 80s, 90s, that we may have missed that we should be watching... Let us know. And we also, I've been asked a lot about this movie by a lot of people. Um, the Rock, Nicolas Cage, and of course, His Royal Highness, Sean Connery. Um, we are going to be doing a special this year on the 25th anniversary of The Rock, which is one of my favorite and Phil's favorite movies of all time. It is. Um, so we are going to be doing that one. So Please, you know, keep recommendations coming and we will we will get around to you. Join us on the next Movie Mouth podcast, which will be another slice of movie and TV related podcast fun. Before then, please follow our Facebook and Instagram accounts at, at Movie Mouth Podcast and hit subscribe. And please, for the love of Bob, give us a nice five star review on your podcast player of choice. It takes two seconds and we would really appreciate it. Phil, there's just one last thing to say. Mm hmm. <laughs> Later, barf, breath, puke, mouth. Oh, damn it. I was going to say exactly the same thing. <laughs> I hate you. Look, I've got it written down there and everything. I can't see it, but I, I believe you, Phil. It's fine. 
I hate you. You stole my my ending. And that's why I'm Bob Wiley, and that's why you're Dr. Leo Marvin. Oh, go fuck yourself, Bob. But- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sailing.